What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel, joined from California by Aaron Fitt. Super regional weekend is upon us, Aaron. Uh, 299 teams enter, I guess this weekend, 16 teams enter, eight teams leave. Uh, Thunderdome this weekend at eight campus locations. One of whom, Aaron, we may as well start off and talk about that one, just the selection of which is just the most random super regional probably in the history of super regionals. We'll set the Mm -hmm. table for people. Everyone who's listening to this podcast probably knows this if you care about this podcast. Florida at home against Mississippi State in an SEC battle. These are the these are the super regionals that begin Friday. They run Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mississippi State at Florida, Arizona State at Texas, Oregon State at Vanderbilt, Stanford at North Carolina. On the other side of the bracket, the Saturday, Sunday, Monday super regionals: UC Irvine at Virginia, Dallas Baptist at Cal versus California at Santa Clara, uh, Texas A&M at Florida State. UConn at South Carolina, Aaron. I don't know how he did picks-wise last week. Probably not so hot. But mm. kudos, kudos to you, though. You picked uh, you picked Cal. That was a big upset. I don't think any of us picked Mississippi State. Uh, did you pick Irvine? You didn't pick Irvine, did you? No. No, I had UCLA. Okay. And then uh, none of us picked Dallas Baptist. Kudos to the Patriots. Aaron, walk us through, for people who don't know, how did this Dallas Baptist-Cal regional wind up at Santa Clara? Well, uh, the main thing is that neither team had um, facilities that really met the minimum requirements for the NCAA. I mean, Cal doesn't even have lights, uh, and and I think that it was important for ESPN that they have some games at night on the West Coast from a, from a programming standpoint. It just helps them, um, to, which is why I think Cal had an upper hand when it came to hosting that thing. You know, I mean, Dallas Baptist was also looking at some off-campus sites, but. Uh, I think I think ESPN was bound and determined to have one on the West Coast if at all possible. So um, Santa Clara, it is. I mean, it's it's an interesting state of affairs when Santa Clara has has better facilities than uh, you know the flagship state university of of the state of California. But there it is. That is the most bizarre thing ever. I think it's just crazy. And uh, you know, Santa Clara used to go to Omaha all the time in the '60s. But uh, I think it's also crazy that Santa Clara does not have a coach right now. 
So they're, yeah. they're hosting a super regional. Mark O'Brien removed, <laughs> relieved of his duties. I just said relieved in duties in the same sentence, and I'm proud to say that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy that uh, Santa Clara uh, has no coach but will have a super regional on its campus. We're going to break down that regional later. Let's start off with the Friday, Saturday, Sunday supers. And um, Aaron, Florida, Mississippi State. Kudos to John Cohen and the Arizona and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I don't know if I said Mississippi State the first time. I meant to say it. Florida, Mississippi State playing this weekend uh, in a super regional. Obviously, the Gators are the big favorite. Could these teams play in the regular season, Aaron? And if so, how'd that go? I believe they did, and I believe Florida. I mean, I, mean, I know Florida won the series, um, but uh, you know, I mean, certainly Florida is, is is a heavy favorite. I mean, that's pretty clear. Yeah, Florida won two out of three in Starkville back in April. Yeah, that was um, also the one that had the 18 and nothing game they won. That's exactly right, the Saturday game. And, you know, I mean, they did go in there, and uh, the, the, Rebel, the Bulldogs, excuse me, won that game on Friday, 7-5. to five. Um, But, uh, you know, I mean, this, this to me is, is the one that I think is the easiest to pick. I mean, I, I think Florida is, is, a, is a huge favorite. I mean, I, I give Mississippi State a lot of credit. You know, they, this is a, a scrappy team, an athletic team. Um, you know, I, I wrote about them. In the SEC tournament, you know, they only went two and out in the SEC tournament, but I had a favorable impression. You know, I thought that they were kind of exciting. I, I like the athleticism. Um, you know, they've got some some veteran guys, some of those junior college guys they brought in who are now seniors and have become quality players for them. You know, the Jerron Shepherds and the Jonathan Ogdens and the Nick Vickersons, those kind of guys. Um, give them some experience in key spots. They're pretty good up the middle. They've got a great player at third base with Jared Parks, you know, kind of a game-changing player. Um Definitely the best player on that team. I mean, he's the guy who makes him go. He's he's a he's a good defender at third too. He's just a really good all around player. Um, and uh, I just don't think they've got the horses on the mound, you know. And, and they pitched well in Atlanta in the regional. Um, again, I thought they were a pretty heavy underdog in that regional, but it helped that that Southern Miss was kind of crippled, uh, really limped into <laughs> into regionals. <laughs> well, that's one way to put it. Yeah, with his pitching situation and the suspensions, and and you know certainly it helped that Georgia Tech lost its number one guy in the first or second inning of its first game, and and I feel like that kind of threw them for a loop, and you know and and plus they have a history of just underperforming in regionals at home. It's happened three years in a row now. Um, but that is uh, that is amazing. I will say that I I thought it was amazing that ESPN bashed Georgia Tech all weekend, considering Georgia Tech tied for the ACC regular season championship with a team with 17 freshmen. On their roster, yeah. I, how they how they overperformed all year. They had one bad weekend. That to me does not mitigate the fact they overperformed all year. Their last two teams that didn't win regionals, we can bash those teams all you want. But this year's team, I didn't think underperformed. I just thought they had a bad weekend, basically. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, in that said, they still were, I think, by far the best team in that regional. Their pitching was by far it was it was leaps and bounds ahead of the other teams in that regional, and even without Mark Pope. Uh, you know, I think we without, talked about I think how without Mark Pope, that, that's a big, that's a big without. That was their Friday yeah. guy. I mean, I agree with you. Right. Hey, look, De- look, DeAndre Smelter has more talent than Nick Rout has. DeAndre Smelter should be able to go th- more than 2.1 innings. Uh, and obviously, him, him not pitching most of the year, except in very low leverage situations, uh, hurt Georgia Tech. But they were still throwing a freshman out there. I guess yeah. the guy Nick Rout, who was a freshman, who was a Friday starter as a freshman in the SEC, that's a big difference than DeAndre Smelter, yeah. big talent, but no experience. Um, and I'll say that 
this too. I'll say this too. I mean, we talked last week about how Austin P was one of the most dangerous number four seeds, and I actually, I think, I, I think I picked Austin P to finish second in that regional, which they didn't. Did. But they did knock off, they did knock off Georgia Tech in the opener, which I, I think just put them behind the eight ball. And, and Mississippi State played well, and you know they did actually get good pitching from Route and from Evan Mitchell, the true freshman who's who's from that area. And, and they got two complete. He's got games. a good arm. And, yes, they did. And, and yes, then they did. And then the guy who's kind of the sneaky guy there is Luis Poyorena. Maybe it's pronounced Polarena, but he probably used to be Polarena at some point. So right. his, his last name has the word chicken in it, but he's he's no chicken. This guy's become their Friday starter. They're, he's yeah. become their go-to guy, Aaron, down the stretch of the year, and he sounds like he's a command and control, lane mess to pay, velocity lefty. That's it. You know, he's he's a undersized 87, 88 guy. You know, he's got a little cutter that I guess has been a key piece for him, and he's you know mixed with four pitches and uh, and compete and I. You know, you know I, think I he's like Nick Rout too. You know I'm a I'm a Nick Rout apologist. Yeah, and and I just I I kind of think it's not it's not Nick Rout circa 2009. I mean, you know, he, he, he to was, my knowledge, he's not even throwing his changeup because the changeup he yeah. pronates the arm when he throws the changeup. That is the action that caused him to have that impacted nerve that prompted him to have elbow surgery last year. So to my knowledge, mm-hmm. he's not even throwing his bread-and-butter pitch, and without his best pitch, the guy threw a complete game to beat a Georgia Tech team that's a pretty good ball club uh, at yeah. their place to win a regional, which just tells you about Nick Grout's. Uh, his elbow may not be 100%, but his heart is. Oh, yeah, and, and he commands a fastball. He pitches up the fastball. That's what he is now. He's a fastball guy, and it's not a, a big fastball, but it, if you can spot it, I mean, hey, that's what Florida's guys do. You know, that's what Hudson Randall does. He, he spots the fastball, and among other things. I mean, Hudson Randall spots everything. But, right, uh, and who is Caleb Reed? Why does Florida – does Florida need to be yeah. concerned about F- Caleb Reed at all? This, this relief pitcher's had a tremendous year for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah, Caleb Reed is a, is a stud. You know, he's he's been really um, sensational for Mississippi State in the bullpen. Um, he's he's a he's got a power, you know, downer breaking ball. It's kind of his bread and butter. Uh, he competes, and, and they believe in him. I mean, they really they do. And uh, in, in late in the game situations, Are they, Mississippi State has a good bullpen. I mean, you know, I I just it, obviously I'm picking Florida. I mean, I, I sure, think Florida sure. is, is the most complete team out there. But I just know, feel like we've State talked. Could, I feel like we've talked a lot about Florida this year, so I'm trying to give the Bulldogs a little run here. But I mean, is Caleb Reed? Has he got a little peanut in him? I mean, he's a five foot nine right-hander. Is he like Peanuts Big yeah. Brother? Yeah, that's that's not bad. I mean, he's he's that kind of guy. He's he's a he's a bulldog, um, and he's got good stuff. I mean, like I said, that 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 breaking ball is is a separator for him, uh, and and you know I think it matters that they believe in him when he comes into the game. And they've got pieces to get to him. I mean, they've got Devin Jones. He's got a pretty good arm. He's been up and down, but. Uh, they've got, you know, the lefty Chad Gerardo and, uh, you know, they've got a whole bunch of guys, uh, you know, Taylor Stark, a breaking ball guy. They've got a bunch of guys that they can they can use back there to, to kind of get to, uh, um, to to the closer read. But, of course, they need to have the lead first, and that's going to be the challenge against Florida. How is Florida health-wise? Will Brian Johnson be back this weekend, and how's the rest of their team uh, stack up healthy health-wise? Yeah, the uh, – the Gators expect uh, Johnson to be back. I mean, that's now been announced, I guess. Um, I think Austin Maddox is still questionable, but the impression I got is that he's got a chance to play also. Um, so Maddox, you know, those are obviously I forgot about. Yep. Yeah, those those are two key players, obviously. It sounds like they will have Johnson uh, in his dual role, I anticipate. Um, and if they don't have Maddox, you know, I think they're certainly good enough to beat Mississippi State with Vikash Ramjit at uh, first <laughs> Bless base. Bless you. 
Thank you. <laughs> you know, the guys, the, that guy's had a nice little year off the beat. He's been. He's a nice bench piece for them. He's hitting over 400, and he's got a little pop. So uh, I just I don't lose a ton. I was gonna say Vikash Ramjet actually has been pretty productive when they've had to play him. Uh, yeah, and not, not a power guy, but a, a guy's making a lot of contact. So Florida, big shock. Florida has depth. I will say in a three-game series, the Florida's biggest advantage, their depth of ridiculous velocity in their bullpen, is not as big of a factor. So yeah. I'm with you. I think we both think Florida is the biggest favorite in this whole field of super regionals, but Mississippi State deserves a little. Uh, well, you already said it. They deserve a ton of credit, but you said it. I mean, they've done a great job getting to this point and uh, really encouraging for that program. A very proud program that, what, four or five years ago was just in Omaha, but then cratered at yeah. the end of uh, Ron Polk's tenure there, and it was an ugly transition, and I, I hope uh, this helps the program going forward as well. Uh, Texas, Arizona State, Aaron, some injury issues here as to Arizona State still without Jake Barrett, who missed uh, regionals. I don't know if he missed the last week of the regular season, but Arizona State, Arizona State had been stumbling. They win their their regional at home, but now they got to go on the road without really their best arm, not necessarily the best pitcher, but their best arm. And Texas survives after losing uh, with Taylor Youngman on the mound at home for the first time in his career, but a, a testament to the toughness of the Longhorns to come back and win that regional. Yeah, no question. You know, they, uh, uh, they're they an experienced team, and they've got great pitching, and they're really good at home. Um, and, you know, it, it's this is a really good matchup. I'm, I'm excited by this one. I don't know how it's going to go. I think you can make a case for either team. Um, but, uh, boy, I mean, you know, they're just they're two really mentally tough teams. They're, they're traditional powers, obviously. Um, you know, can't say enough about how much Arizona has Arizona State has has uh, has overcome adversity in the last two years and distractions and off-field problems. But I mean, it's it's interesting with Arizona State is, you know, as as we've talked about this year, I think a number of times, I thought they were going to be the nation's best offensive team, and then they haven't been. But they still uh, are good. They, you know, they've got veteran guys. Um, they're athletic. Um, they do have line drive bats. I mean, I think their style of play is, you know, I think it'll work at, at Dishfalk Field. I mean, because they're not a home run hitting team anyway. They use the gaps. Yeah, they, uh, have when the they, athleticism. When they have the athleticism to cover the gaps defensively. They have the speed to take advantage of the turf. They do seem well suited for that ballpark. And, you know, it is a much different style of play, obviously, because their park plays. And their, their track's just a lot faster. Everybody in the Pac-10 always talks about how fast their track is in Tempe. Uh, and, of course, you know, Austin, it, it's uh, it's a very, very slow track. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I, that said, I mean, I, I think that they, they they should be a good defensive team. And you look at their numbers and they're, you know, it's, it's a little surprising because they were a really good defensive team last year. All the personnel is back. I mean, they've got a, what should be a really exciting, you know, middle infield combination with Marrero and McPhee. Um, they've got speed in the outfield. I mean, they've got guys on the corners who are older guys. I mean, certainly Risho Torres is a really good player at third base. I, I don't understand why they're not a better defensive team statistically, but I, I feel like um, they should be okay in that regard. How about on the mound, Aaron? That's clearly where Texas has the advantage pretty much over just about everybody. Youngman, Stafford, Green, Milner, the, you know, Stafford and Milner, yeah, it's like Stafford's often in the more often than not in the weekend rotation. Uh, all those guys showed they can come back on a pretty short rest because uh, they all did basically in the in the yeah. super in the regional. Knable out of the bullpen with 17 saves. Um, obviously, there's depth there of other arms. You know, Carrillo and Thornhill have been the most 
uh, often used relief pitchers. It looks like Texas also hit for a little bit more power down the stretch. I, I thought they had 13 home runs all year, it seemed like, and now they've got 16. Um, yeah. is, Texas, is, is Texas offense coming? Did it come around a little bit in the, in the regional? And uh, how are they all looking offensively for the Super? Yeah, I think they're I think they're decent offensively. You know, I mean, they're, they're obviously, uh, you know, they're not imposing. You look at their lineup and you're not scared. They don't have the thump that they had last year, but they, uh, you know, they've got a couple of guys who kind of make them go with Brandon Loy and of course Eric Weiss, the dynamic freshman. I mean, um, and they execute and and they're they're kind of you know I think they're actually they're a lot like Virginia except uh, maybe a little bit of a. a uh, lower octane version of Virginia offensively, but like Virginia, you, you get the leadoff guy on, and then they just, you know, it's it's picket fences. One run, they'll take one run in inning if they can. It's just bunt them over, get them in. I mean, wh- whatever it takes. Um, but uh, and I just think that their offensive style works very well with their personnel and with their pitching. I mean, they're just they're just built to prevent runs. And and I think Texas and Virginia are probably the number one and two in the nation in run prevention, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, and there's a reason that those teams are so good, even without necessarily gaudy offensive numbers. Um, but uh, you know, on the mound, I mean, <laughs> you know, Taylor Youngman's as good a big game pitcher as there is in college baseball. Yeah, you, you have to as good as Brady Rogers is, and I wouldn't be shocked if Brady Rogers went in there and beat him. Um, you know, you have to give Youngman the edge in that matchup, assuming no he pitches in the first game. Um, and and you know Cole Green's a senior. Uh, I, I like him more than Kramer Champlin. Um, so you give Texas the edge there, and and certainly you give you know I mean I, I think the thing about Arizona State too is not having Barrett means they've got to start Lamson most likely in, in a potential third game. I mean I suppose if you need Lamson to win one of the first two games out of the bullpen, you do it because yeah, exactly. But but you know. Or maybe they move Lampson up to the number two spot. I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to do with their rotation because it I, sounds like I frankly right, so, sounds like right now they've got they've got the usual guys Rogers and Champlin, and then they have game three as TBA. And like you said, I think they're hoping that they don't get to a third game. I, I, I to me, you have to you can't hold Mitchell Lampson for the third game when he's your main relief yeah. pitcher. But like you said, that just shows you just how the absence of Barrett affects them. There's just this extra element of uncertainty, and they have to make up their minds. What are we going to do with Mitchell Lampson? If they do commit to using him in games one and or two, well, then what do they do for game three? How do they Johnny Holstaff that? And that affects how they use other relief pitchers. Do you hold someone else back in case you, you know, or do you want to put your whole season on guys like Kyle Otteson? I I never know how to pronounce his name. Otteson, yeah. Otteson. Uh, Or maybe Mark Lampson, you know, (laughs) maybe Mitchell's younger brother. Uh, you know, you, you, but you might be putting your whole season on a game three of a super region on the road on a guy who's never been in that anything close to that spot. So it's it yeah. definitely puts one more obstacle in front of Arizona State. And there have been a lot of teams that have had a lot of adversity in the last couple of years. But I challenge anybody to say to find the same stuff that that Arizona State's gone through. It's crazy. I mean, even the paralyzed yeah. players at Georgia, but the injuries that you know they've had a lot of injuries at Arizona State. The coaching change, the NCAA regulation, uh, you know, suspension. Uh, well, that's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, sanctions hanging over their head. It's been, it's been a a, a hell of a lot of stuff uh, out in Tempe, and uh, and they keep winning. So kudos to to those guys. Uh, Aaron, your pick. I'm picking the Longhorns. Yeah, I am too, and and I do I do think this one's interesting. Thing. And, you know, I could see Arizona State going in there winning it. I really could. But, um, you know, they're a team that I, I do think is has been vulnerable on the road a little bit. I mean, they didn't they 
lose a series at USC. Um, yeah. I think I think they lost another. They got swept at Oregon State. I mean, you know, I, I think Texas is really good at home. I think they have better pitching, and I think they are the team that's going to win that super regional. That's my reasoning is that on the road, uh, you know, the the Sun Devils have stumbled a little bit. They got swept at Oregon State. They did sweep a series at Cal, but that of course wasn't at Santa Clara. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, maybe with the lights would have gotten in their eyes, and they did lose that right, series. Right. Maybe they did, and they did lose that series at Southern Cal. So I agree. I still can't shake the fact that to me they're just not playing that great. And you know, they beat New Mexico. Well, of course they should. They beat Charlotte. Of course they should beat Charlotte. And they beat an Arkansas team that was out of pitching. I thought it was a pretty easy road in their uh, regional as well. Um, then, so, they ahead. needed a walk-off homer in that first game to beat New Mexico, too. Let's You're not right. forget, they were down there. You're right. Good point. Uh, absolutely. Ray Birmingham, he's the man. Uh, Vanderbilt, O-State ball is Aaron. Uh, Tim Corbin is searching for his first trip to Omaha as a head coach versus Pat Casey. And if Pat wants to, he could show him how the ring look. Uh, he's got two of them. I'm sorry, Tim. I couldn't hear you at my press conference with my national championship rings in my ears. Uh, Patrick Wall reference here on the uh, on the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. There'll be no more hockey references, and I'm a I'm a Boston guy, but there'll be no more host- hockey references on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Vanderbilt, Oregon State, Aaron. Uh, this is one of the most compelling super regionals on the board for me. On to in terms of talent, the next two super regionals are pretty amazing. Because Vanderbilt has 12 players who were drafted. Oregon State has interesting guys and interesting athletes, but no premium uh, draft guys other than Joss Osich, who was banged up. And to me, i got to think his availability this weekend is questionable at best. And North Carolina-Stanford is going to be a whole different – I mean, that's just like Stanford's behemoths and just physicality versus North Carolina. It's like the ultimate good college team, good college players this year. Um, So let's talk Commodores and Beavers. Uh, Vanderbilt's got to be a significant favorite in the Super Regional, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, on, on paper, I mean, God, Vanderbilt is just loaded. You know, they're just loaded, and, and they don't have a weakness. I mean, we obviously, I feel like we're a broken record with some of these teams, Vanderbilt and Florida and Virginia, some of these teams that have been so good, South Carolina. Uh, but it's hard not to, you know, not to talk about them. They're, they're, they're really good teams. And, it's hard and not Vanderbilt to rave as as... about these teams. I mean, really, these are, these are, these are teams you rave about. I mean, there's yeah. not a there's not a significant chink in the armor for Virginia, Florida, or Vanderbilt. There really hasn't been all year. That's right. That's exactly right. And and um, you know, does Oregon State have a chance? Yeah, because they're Oregon State, and and they, <laughs> you know, they they just are a tough team to play against. They drive you crazy with the things they do. You know, they're they're uh, they're gnats. They they just uh, doesn't matter what kind of pitching they're up against. You know, they battle, they scrap. I mean, I saw him beat Garrett Cole, you know, and they, and they hit him all over the place. They had a perfect plan against Garrett Cole, you know, and, and it's not like Oregon State has a bunch of big old, you know, scary, intimidating presences in their lineup, but um, they're a team that, that plays well against velocity because they have, you know, smaller contact kind of guys, and they fight you, and they battle you, and, and they go the other way, and they'll, you know, hit situationally, and uh, I, I don't think that... You know, they're necessarily going to be blown away by Sonny Gray. I mean, you know, Sonny could go out and, and throw a gem, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think Sam Gaviglio gives Oregon State a real chance in that first game. Um, after that, though, I mean, even if Oregon State does steal that first game, I, I just don't see them having enough pitching uh, um, to match up with Vanderbilt. I mean, Osich has been 
hurt, it sounds like, or just or just not you know, he's sore, at the very least he's sore. I mean he's a Tommy John guy, um, who's you know, not too far removed from Tommy John and it sounds like he just hit a wall down the stretch and uh, I don't know that he's gonna pitch this weekend. It sounds like it's questionable, like you said. Right. Um you know, James Nygren yeah, has been kind of up and down. wasn't real good last week. I mean, they've got some other pieces. They could go with, uh, you know, Ben Wetzler. Um, you know, maybe, a, maybe Matt Boyd could get some significant innings. But, boy, I just, I mean, you're up against Vanderbilt's pitching staff with, with Garvin and Hill and, you know, everybody that they've got in the bullpen. It's, it's, it's no contest. I agree with you. Again, like in a, in a regional situation, if they were in the same regional, you'd really like Vanderbilt. Oregon State. Oh, man, this is like the worst, to me, the worst nightmare for, for Vanderbilt, a team that has nothing to lose, a team that already has had its bad stretch of the year to kind of go back on the beam in regionals, a team that's a little bit wounded with, with Osage hurt, and a team that's got a, a guy with brass, you know what I'm talking about, and Sam Gavilio on Friday. And like you said, I can't stop thinking about their approach against, you mentioned it, Garrett Cole, that game where you talked about where Cole had nasty stuff. And they just went away. They, they they hit the other opposite field. They basically picked out one zone in the strike zone, gave that to Garrett Cole, and like a, attacked another spot. And like when he threw a ball in that spot, yeah. that was their that was their spot, right? And they just attacked. Yeah, that's it. it. And uh, I, I think I'm with you. That it would not shock me if they won the Friday game, but I think Vanderbilt's going to nut up. Uh, I think Vanderbilt is going to be better. The rest of that series, I think Vanderbilt's going to win. I think it'll be in three games, but this is one where I could really see an upset happening. Because if you're talking about a team in Oregon State that has won a lot of times when they haven't been expected to win, and a team in Vanderbilt that has yeah. not won when they have been expected to win, these are t- this the, you know Vanderbilt's kind of alter ego in some ways is is Oregon State. I don't want to make it sound like too much like that because it's not like Oregon State lacks talent. They certainly have talent. They have pro talent. They have athleticism. But that's a tough. That's going to be a tough matchup, I think, for Vanderbilt and uh, a very, very compelling super regional. Um, it is um, very compelling. It really is. And and you know, I, at the end of the day, I just think Vanderbilt's so complete. And and I do think they're, you know, as, as I said before this year, I mean, there's there's nobody left on this team who was on the 07 team that that melted down in regionals. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know, it's not a different team. I mean, this Vanderbilt was in a super regional last year and played uh, great. One, and played like, very well against Florida yeah. State. Almost, almost went to Omaha last year, and, and all those guys are back. They they've been here before. They're at home. I, I don't I don't see them. You know, I hate to use this word, but I don't see them choking again. I, I just don't see it. Even though I agree. Oregon State is is like I think you put it very well. It's it's a it's a tough matchup because of their style and because they just you know they play with a chip on their shoulder and they especially in a situation like this where they're a heavy underdog I, I think that plays right into their hands no really. no doubt about it I think it plays in their hands I think they were begging honestly I think Oregon State is like the one team that was begging please send us to the Briar Patch that is the Southeastern Conference send us to an yeah. SEC place they want it they relish that stuff I mean that. That is what they want for for better. You know, be careful what you wish for. You might get it. There you go. You're you gonna know, get Van, you're going to get Vanderbilt. You remember earlier this year when when Susac went down, and uh, you know people started talking about how Oregon's and, and I was one of them. You know, can Oregon State keep this up? Can the other guys keep it going? I thought they were uh, done. Uh, I thought they were done without that yeah. guy. And and you know the other guys rallied around that very same mantra. The other guys they started calling. Themselves, the other guys, you know, and, and they did. They really, and they, <laughs> they did. They they rallied around it. They love that. They love, love to play with a chip on their shoulder. They love to be counted out, and uh, and it works for them. It has worked for them for years now. For, for damn sure, it works for them. It's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron, 
Aaron, if you can't tell, I'm getting more fired up with every Super Regional. It's like my last bits of energy after the draft are coming back. <laughs> I'm like a wrestler, like here like in the it. crowd, like the crowd's roaring, and I'm, 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 get, I'm hearing it. North Carolina, Stanford. You saw Stanford last weekend. I, mm. wife be damned, I will see them this weekend. Um, <laughs> this is just Lilliputians against Giants. But, I mean, the Lilliputians yeah. are the better team. North Carolina has had an yeah. unbelievable season. I mean, what a tremendous job, 48-14 and 14 on the year. And on top of it, you got Mike Fox, their head coach, who's done a tremendous job this year, missing the weekend, the regional, with the death of his mother. Uh, the Tar Heel team wearing uh, the pink socks on Sunday in the regional championship to uh, commemorate, you know, to, to honor her. The, her death, I believe, was a, a cancer. Um you know, North Carolina has uh, talked about playing with a chip on its shoulder. They've kind of morphed into O State East. I mean, they definitely yeah. play with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. They talked all year about not having enough respect. Um, but I mean, the, the Tar Heels are the 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 favorite. But here comes Stanford. Uh, Stanford just beat a, a kind of a North Carolina kind of team in Fullerton. Scrappy, a lot of Richie Pedroza. And Richie Pedroza and Ben Bunting might have been separated at birth. Uh, hmm. At least in terms of size, although I think I don't think Ben Bunting's inked up on both forearms like Pedroza is. Uh, but Stanford, uh, you know, you look at North Carolina's offensive approach. Here's a team that has almost as many walks as strikeouts: 331 walks, 361 strikeouts. Meanwhile, Stanford is just like grip it and rip it, man. Austin Wilson, 56 strikeouts, seven walks. Brian Regeira, 46 strikeouts, 14 walks. This team has twice as many strikeouts as they have walks. I mean, yeah. this is just a matchup of opposites, Aaron. It's it's such an awesome matchup. I'm I'm really excited about this one, uh, and and I've gone back and forth about who I think is going to win it. But um, you know, Stanford looked amazing to me this past weekend. I mean, let me emphasize this: I hadn't seen a team all year long hit as many bar, balls really, really hard as Stanford hit on on Sunday against Illinois, and it was against the back of Illinois' pitching. You know, Illinois had you know had, had kind of I think depleted itself on the mound, and Stanford just teed off. The first inning on, even their outs were hard. And they hit, you know, lasers over the fence. Austin Wilson hit a ridiculous moonshot and then uh, showboated the heck out of it around the bases. I mean, <laughs> did he really? This, this, oh, this Stanford team plays with some swagger, man. They really do. I mean, they they get in your face. They, I think they run their mouths a little bit. I mean, they right now they're playing with a lot of confidence. That is and, so and, shocking to hear a Mark Marquez team playing like that. That really, I'm telling you, that really stuns me because that's just not was, that was not their mo back in the day. This team is is has kind of taken. I mean, it seems to me that they've taken on that identity a little bit. They're they uh, they're a young team, and and they're started to realize that they're pretty good. Whoever you know, would have thought that Stanford taken... would turn heel? I'm gonna use another wrestling reference. Stanford turned heel. It's unbelievable. It's like they joined the NWO. <laughs> nice. I can't yeah, believe it's, I just made uh... another uh, Bill Simmons reference there, but there you go. How about that? Uh, but you know, they they just. All through the lineup, I mean, it's it's guys who, who are capable of hitting the ball hard. And, and I was really impressed with Lonnie Capella. I think that's an unsung player in their lineup, the, the freshman second baseman. I mean, he was stinging the ball, uh, and he looked really smooth at second base too. Um, you know, I think uh, Kenny DeKroger now, I mean, he's he's that's the the biggest name in this lineup. And, and he's, you know, he's had a bad second half. He's really cooled off. I mean, I saw him at USC midway through the year, and he was hitting about, I don't know, 360. And now he's, he's down to 292. Um, he seems like he's so, almost like the biggest hole in their lineup right now. I mean, because at least Jake Stewart yeah. steals some bases for you. Gap power, couple of like you said, hot Wilson, Regira, Gaffney, Tyler Gaffney is is hot. He seems like he's the yeah. ringleader of that swagger. 
Yeah, absolutely right. He is the ringleader. But uh, I'll tell you what's interesting. When I look at this matchup, Stanford, first of all, is very right-handed. Every one of their nine starters is right-handed. Oh, wow. Um, now, that's which, now that's fascinating. That negates a North Carolina advantage. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know about that because I think, you know, Patrick Johnson – I think they'd rather face a right-handed leaning lineup because Johnson, he's got a good right-handed breaking ball. I think he can get them. He can expand the zone and get them to chase. I think he can. I think Patrick Johnson is is a good guy to go up against that that Stanford lineup because he's savvy. I agree. um, And and those guys are willing to chase. You know, I think I think Patrick Johnson's a good guy to go against any lineup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, personal personal cheese ball. He's one of the top ten personal cheese balls of all time for me. But but the reason I said that was that Carolina has so much. Uh, such a, a desire right. and has had so much success mixing and matching out of the bullpen as you've detailed many times. Right. That's a, that's a great point. You're right. That, that does negate that advantage a little bit. But um, the other thing is, you know, Ken Emanuel, uh, best pitch, best secondary pitch really is the changeup. I mean, I think he's well suited to pitch against those right-handed power guys. I think he can just kind of live on the other side corner with the fastball and the changeup and bust them inside with the fastball. I, I think that's a pretty good matchup. I agree. Um, I'll tell you what Kent Emanuel really does well is pitch inside. That's what makes Kent Emanuel yeah. successful as a freshman for North Carolina is not overwhelming stuff. We wrote about him in the draft last year being like an 80-40-88 guy, and that's what he is. He's projectable. There hasn't been a lot of that projection yet at North Carolina, but the guy's thrown you know close to 90 innings with a 2.62 ERA, and he's doing it with a below-average fastball. But he pitches inside, he creates angle, has that changeup. His breaking balls come along as the years gone on, and he was very effective against Virginia's right-handed hitters the last time I saw him. Let's also we also should mention Aaron Stanford came through a very difficult regional. Fulton legit, obviously Stanford. Illinois was pretty legit. I forget who the three seed was. Kansas State. Kansas State, just a grinder kind of ball club. Meanwhile, we thought North Carolina uh, was in a pretty strong regional too, but Florida International was one of the all-time TFCOs. Thanks for coming out. I mean, that was just not a representative display by Garrett Whittles and company uh, for the Golden Panthers. And then James Madison did fine. Maine is fine. But Carolina wound up – I think you and I dissented from the consensus view, which was that that was a cakewalk regional. The consensus was right. That was a cakewalk regional. Yeah, it was. And, and uh, you know, but I like the fact that Carolina is playing at a really high level right now. You know, ever since, um, what was it, the Miami series that they lost down the stretch? I think that's the one. I, th- I yes. feel like after that, they played at a very, very high level and sweeping Virginia and, and you know. Um, they didn't do great in the ACC tournament, but that's, they, basically, they basically did not match up well with Miami this year. And to right. their, you know, that's three of their 14 losses. And I think, and then the other, you know, three of their other 14 losses are uh, are NC State. Two more to Wake Forest. Hey, all the teams that beat them are gone. You know, yeah, that's yeah. Seton Hall, Charlotte. That's two more. So I just mentioned ten of their fourteen losses. Uh, all those teams are out of the way. So it's smooth sailing from now on for North Carolina. And I'll tell you the other thing that's fascinating about this: you've got the Friday the, the Friday afternoon matchup, Friday morning for me, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With uh with Mark Appel and Patrick Johnson, you know Johnson was what a twenty-something round pick as a senior this year. I mean, I, yeah. I thought he'd go higher than that as a senior, but even, even as a senior, he's a late pick. Mark Appel might be the number one overall pick in the draft next year, but um, you know, I mean, Appel's ninety-five, ninety-eight. I mean, it's a power curveball, it's or a breaking ball, it's a it's a changeup. I mean, he's he's got all the everything that you look for. Um, but I I think North Carolina is you know they're they're obviously very left-handed, um, and and. 
you know, Appel's a right-handed pitcher. I think that that plays North Carolina's advantage. They don't have as 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 you, is our is detailed in our, our scouting report this weekend. Um, they don't have big, long, swinging kind of power guys. They have they have kind of like the Oregon State approach. You know, they'll, they'll they'll shorten up on you. They'll I don't think they're they're intimidated by velocity. So I think they I think that first matchup I like North Carolina. Uh, the second game I think is key. I really do because. Jordan Preeze is good. He pitched great against Fullerton. I think that's a. I think he matches up even better with North Carolina, maybe than than Appel does. Uh, and and if Stanford wins that second game, you know, then I give Stanford the edge in the third game with Danny Sandbrink, the the sinker ball guy, against kind of a up and down Chris Munley. So right. Uh, t- to me, the second game is a key. But I I like North Carolina. I'm 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 as, as impressed as I was with Stanford last weekend. Um, I think the Tar Heels, you know, are playing very well. I like them at home. They they haven't lost a home postseason game in uh, i don't know a long time, a long time. Uh, yeah, they've won 12 in a row at home in the postseason and it's not the same team but but still i mean that's it shows you they play with confidence at home i agree with you i'm picking north carolina as well even though I, i'm very tempted by stanford but what you said the right-handedness of stanford's lineup i think that affects uh stanford negatively and i also think the right-handedness of their pitching staff uh they've got two lefties yeah. reed and snodgrass and obviously they love both those guys reed was a first rounder but North Carolina is a very left-handed team, yeah. and uh, and Mike Fox has a great job platooning. He has left-handers on his bench. He has right-handed bats on his bench, and they have a guy. You know, we did our All-America deliberations the other day, Aaron. He didn't fit on our All-America team, but a guy who deserves, in my mind, uh, as much credit as anybody on North Carolina for their success is Greg Holt. What a yeah. year this guy has had. Guy who's recruited as a two-way guy, but they really thought he was going to be more of a factor as a hitter. Struggled as a hitter. They put him on the mound full time last year, and he, you know he's got 55 innings out of their bullpen. He didn't make one start this year, but he's you know four, he, he's their fifth. You take their top five pitchers, he's number five uh, with their closer Mike Moran and their their top three starters. But uh, Garrett Holt's been uh, Greg Holt's been huge for them down the stretch offensively as well. You know he's got 23 RBIs and only 65 at bats. He's hitting 385. And yeah. more to the point, he's a very important complementary right-handed bat. He brings some more balance to that lineup. And, you know, a couple of years ago when they were at their peak, you know, 06, 07, 08, 09, Carolina didn't, just wasn't good enough from the right side. The Benji Johnsons, the yep. Chad the Chad, uh, Chad Flack. Flax. Uh, the Flack, Frank, Frank. It just don't even get me started. But Chad Flack. Uh, you know, but now Jesse Wurzbicki, he's a really good college hitter with some real power. Yeah. Uh, Jacob yeah. Stallings isn't a great hitter, but he's got some real power, and he and he's patient. And uh, and I like Greg Holt. They're they're from the right side. Then you throw in obviously Levi Michael into that mix. I think North Carolina has the balance. I, I like them at home. That's going to be a great. Just a, what a compelling super regional matchup that is. Uh, we're both picking the Tar Heels, but I don't think either one of us would be shocked if the Cardinal won that one as well. Yeah, like I said, I, I flip flop back and forth on that about eight times before I finally arrived at North Carolina. I think it's a great matchup. Man, enjoy that one. Yeah, we're lucky. We're, we're lucky we got a good super regional matchup. Aaron, that wraps up the right side of the bracket. Our picks, correct me if I'm wrong, Florida, Texas, Vanderbilt, North Carolina. We agreed on all four. How about that? Has that ever happened before? I'm sure it has, but, uh, <laughs> but probably like off air. <laughs> we may have, yeah. we may have manufactured one on air, like, uh, uh, that, that's been known to happen in the past, but, uh, so that's our picks on this half of the bracket. We'll go ahead and post up this podcast tonight and, uh, we'll record the second half of the brackets later tonight and post it tomorrow when your, uh, rest of your super regional capsules are all done. But super regional capsules, one of the funnest assignments you have all year, isn't it? 
I love doing them, and you know, it's uh, it's 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 actually surprisingly time consuming to to edit up, you know, eight thousand words of quotes, but uh, <laughs> uh, but but you know, it's a lot of fun. I love gathering, love talking with coaches about this stuff. So. I'll never forget like sequestering myself out in the hallway in the old office, uh, being on the cell phone and talking to coaches and just writing down all these quotes for this super regional stuff and like people trying to come out and maybe come in and enter a draft round. I'm like, no, I'm working on my super regional previews. So uh, <laughs> it's definitely one of the funnest assignments to do. So uh, for Aaron, I'm John. We'll be back in just a few minutes for some of you, or we'll be back later with the other half of the podcast, breaking down the other side of the brackets. It's a baseball America podcast until the next time. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.